Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but nothing replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we're going to talk with one of my favorite colleagues for almost, actually a little over two decades, Dr. Dale Glenn. He is currently in practice in Kailua on Oahu at Straub Medical Center and head of the patient experience team. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the ways that people can take care of their health and also, if they need to, find different ways to interact with their providers using telemedicine or other sorts of formats that allow them to take advantage of some of our electronic medical record capabilities and still maintain a really close relationship with their doctor, even if it can't be in person sometimes, secondary to coronavirus. Welcome to the show, Dr. Glenn. I'm happy to have you here on the line. Thank you, Kathy. It's great to be with you this evening. Now, you've been in practice for, boy, 20 years now. Is that right? That's true. About the same as you. Yeah, we started when we were young, huh? I know I've gotten older, I'll tell you. Now, coronavirus has changed things quite a bit. You know, we just started, this is the first show of 2021, and I know a lot of people make a lot of different New Year's resolutions or health commitments or a decision to do something differently in their lives. And with COVID, that might have changed things a little bit. People may have a slightly different way that they have to prioritize coming out of the house and doing their health care and a variety of other ways they do their job. What are some of the things that you think could help folks as they embark on this new year to figure out how they can keep maintaining their health while also being careful wearing a mask and social distancing and all those other good things as well? You know, it's interesting with this new year, Kathy, everyone is just so excited to see 2020 be over with. It's been such a crazy experience and we've all had to adapt in so many ways. Uh, we're doing school from home. Many people are working from home, and we're having to adapt to these changes. But healthcare, we've actually had some changes that might be kind of positive. Um, some of your listeners may or may not realize that the number one cause of personal bankruptcy in the U.S. is medical bills. Poor health can be very expensive. And so we find connecting with the healthcare system is very important. And some of the uh, impact of COVID has actually made this easier. So whereas last year, if uh, a patient wanted to talk to me, we really usually required an office visit. Someone needed to actually come to the bricks and mortar office and we would sit down together and talk about their health concerns. But you know, now we can do a lot of that on cell phone, over a video visit. We can even do some of it by telephone more than what we could before. So some of this new technology is making it a lot easier for patients who are worried about COVID or those who just have trouble getting in to see their doctor to actually connect with their healthcare system and take care of their health. Well, you know, I find it ironic because just a year ago, if somebody was sick, we would tell them, come to the office when you're sick, sit in our waiting room, come see the doctor when you're sick, go to the pharmacy, maybe coughing or who knows what else is going on, and then go home. And the fact that we used to have folks who were experiencing illnesses that they could transmit, you know, coughing, sneezing, all sorts of ways, and we told them, leave your home, come to our home, then go to the pharmacy. I mean, I honestly look back on it and I say, 
it really makes a lot more sense to just say, hey, if you have a condition which might be contagious, let's find a way to replicate that old, you know, the from 100 years ago, the, the doctor coming to your home visit. Only this way, we're really leveraging technology to do it and providing that level of care without necessarily having to have somebody who's sick come and expose other people. It kind of makes me wonder why we did it the other way for so long. Well, and we could talk about different reasons why that is, but yeah, truthfully, why would we want to go to the doctor's office and sit in a waiting room with a bunch of other sick people? And what we've really seen is, you know, people in Hawaii have been so good about wearing masks and being careful that we actually are seeing very little flu. In any normal year, I would be seeing lots of flu patients by this time, but we haven't seen that because people have not come to the doctor as much and they really haven't gotten other respiratory illnesses as much, partly because we are doing these online visits. Well, and I think the other thing is that a couple of years ago, I remember sitting in a meeting and they were saying to healthcare providers, you know, if we don't get a flu shot, which I think healthcare providers should, but if for some reason we don't, we should wear a mask during cold and flu season. And I just remember saying to somebody, giggling, like, who's going to walk around wearing a mask all the time? And here we are, and we're all wearing a mask. So I think it's a combination of people staying home, not necessarily exposing themselves at work or in public, but also, like you said, people are really good. They're wearing a mask. They're really trying hard to keep themselves from getting exposed to other people or exposing themselves. So I think that's really also been a, a twofold benefit from what we've seen is you're right, we're not seeing as many influenza cases. And that's definitely to the credit of the public that's really trying to protect themselves. Now, when well, we talk, part, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, part of the challenge too, is how do people protect their health when they're a little bit nervous about going outside or maybe going to the gym or doing some of the things that they used to do to stay healthy? And how do they keep in contact with their healthcare team? Well, and the interesting thing is you have years of experience working with our electronic medical record system. So we've adopted the EPIC system, which a lot of healthcare providers here in the islands have also signed up on. I know the Queen system uses EPIC and the Kaiser system uses EPIC. And so these are ways that we've figured out how to use technology to help us with documentation, but also help us with communication with patients. What are some of the new ways that even maybe a year or so ago you found that we're doing a lot? more of to help communicate with patients who need us. Well, you know, it's interesting because you and I have come into our careers in medicine at a very interesting time. We both remember starting our careers with paper charts and every patient uh, yes. we saw had a paper chart, right? Yep. Big you know, you, paper charts of several volumes. Yep. I, I'm going to give you a funny aside. Do you know what my first job in college was? Can't say I do driving the paper charts from one Straub clinic to another. I kid you not. Wow. There you are, driving big, big folders of charts to go from one location. Wow. Your job would have been obsolete now. That's just illustrating how many years have gone by, Dale. Well, and I can't say I'm sorry to see that one go because, you know, as you and I have both discovered, um, Having a patient's information right in front of us when we go into the exam room to see them is invaluable. It can be life-saving. But what we've learned more recently is that allowing patients to have access to their own medical records is just as valuable. Patients sometimes see things or are aware of things that they can then point out to us or point out to their healthcare team and say, you know, wow, I didn't know that. Or they'll see a test result that comes back and, and immediately contact their care provider. So what we like about the electronic health record and what's changed recently 
is that patients now have access to more things than they used to. Uh, we're even now, uh, you know, x-ray results, test results are now immediately available to patients who have access through their cell phones or their home computers. Um, in addition, we're now putting physician notes online so patients can actually read and be part of the whole documentation process. And that's important because now you can read your own medical record from the privacy of your own home. That means that there's better communication between us and the healthcare system and you as a patient who's looking to maintain your good health. I think it also is one of the key features of people saying, oh, God, I forgot what that doctor said. You know, this way they can take a look and review which dose of which medicine might we have changed or what are they supposed to do with different different tests that they're supposed to uh, be taking for certain medical conditions. So, you know, I know in the beginning, I remember when you were talking to a group of our colleagues about how we were going to embark on this, releasing test results, and everybody was very nervous and worried, and we said, okay, We'll release them after like two weeks. And that seemed to go by and nobody really had a whole lot of troubles. And then we said, we'll release them after like three days. And that seemed to go by and nobody had a lot of troubles. And now the neat thing is I will go into a room or I will start a telemedicine visit with a patient and I'll say, did you have a chance to look at your lab studies? And they'll say, yes, I did. I have a list of questions. It almost propels us a little bit further in the discussion because they've already had a chance to look at things. And in some cases, I have patients who have graphed out all their information and said, okay, here is my plan. This is what I want to do. I've noticed the following things in my laboratory studies over the last couple of years, and here's what I want to do to fix it. And I have to tell you, I love nothing more than a patient who has empowered themselves to come up with a solution that sounds reasonable, focuses on their health, and really helps to make them a true partner in their health care. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I am so very happy to see that many of our fears as providers were somewhat unfounded uh, doctors were very much afraid that patients would get their diagnosis of cancer from the computer instead of the doctor. And yes, that has happened. But what we found is that oftentimes those patients uh, receive the diagnosis of cancer. They find out about some um, uh, unfortunate medical result, and it actually prepares them psychologically for when that phone call comes. And they're ready with their questions, and they're ready to have a discussion. Whereas if I called them and said, you know, your test results came back and they're this, your mind goes blank at that point. It is scary. But um, as you said, there's nothing we like more than patients who are empowered and engaged and want to be part of the healthcare solution. So it's been a wonderful transition in healthcare to see patients become a part of the team and see us all working together for the same cause. Well, I think it also particularly helps those who, if you're a, a child, an adult child, and you have an elderly parent, and you want to know what's going on with your parents. If they give you permission, you can get proxy access. You can actually start to look at some of the information. And in some cases, you might be the caretaker of your parents. So you need that information. And, you know, your elderly parent may not be computer savvy, although I have to tell you, I once had a 90-year-old patient who was teaching me about Excel spreadsheets, so I never put it past somebody to say they get on their medical record at any age because that is that is always amazing to me when I get computer tips from, from my patients. But I think that it also allows for that whole team-based approach. You know, it's not just your notes. It's everyone's notes. It's your your staff's notes. It's also that whole collaborative effort that they see as being taken to really help promote their own health status. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of, been one of the most positive changes we've seen in the last decade. 
uh, especially for working you know, moms and dads who've got elderly parents they want to take care of, and they need a refill or something, instead of having to go through you know, this crazy telephone tree between the doctor and the pharmacist as to who's going to refill the med and who has permission to what, now they can just go on their computer or cell phone uh, and access that record and you know, request a refill, and we'll take care of it. And so it's made things much simpler for families that are working and trying to manage care for mom and dad and for the kids at the same time. So it's very helpful, and it has led to a team-based approach where the patient really is the center of the team. I think it also, you know, when I think about it, when was the last time I booked an airline ticket on the phone? Okay, well, for the last year, I haven't booked any airline tickets. But prior to that, the convenience of doing things at your own schedule and doing it asynchronously, doing it online so a message comes in the next morning, I honestly think is ideal. That, to me, is the convenience that we really needed so people don't stay on hold forever, holding and waiting for somebody to pick up to take a message. So I I really think it's helped us to become more patient-focused and and patient-centered. I wouldn't want to go back. Well, I'm going to take you back for 10 seconds just because I want you to think about this, okay? It's the year 2000. You're practicing medicine in Hawaii. Do you have email? I do, but I rarely use it. Yeah. Back then in 2000, we didn't have email. We didn't have internet access. We didn't have anything about the patients on a computer. Medicine has been so slow to catch up to some of the changes of the 21st century. And so it wasn't until almost 2000, like 2001, we got computers for every doctor. But we didn't have anything that would allow us to access the Internet. We still had to go to the Hawaii Medical Library to look up articles. Do you remember that? I do. Card catalogs. I remember those days. Wow. And, And that's how fast this has changed just in a couple of short decades during our lifetimes and during our career. We're now to the point where patients can actually see their own medical records and get access to their own healthcare team. Um, I like it that my patients can now message me anytime. And when they see lab results on the computer or they have questions, they can send me a message anytime that's convenient for them. They don't have to wait till it's convenient for me or on my schedule. They don't have to call and wait. And then I still have the opportunity to answer that message when I can. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a huge transition over the last 20 years. And now these new types of visits that we're allowed to do where I can actually sit down and talk with a patient and they are in the comfort of their own home – You learn so much more when you see someone in their environment, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak talking with Dr. Dale Glenn. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the telemedicine revolution, how we've fast forwarded, boy, probably a decade in just the last year, looking at some of the new novel ways which we can interact with patients. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Dale Glenn on the line. He is a family medicine specialist and expert in Kailua, Oahu, at the Straub Medical Center, and he also spearheads our patient experience team. Right before the break, we were talking about the new types of visits. Dr. Glenn, telemedicine. I, If I still have to learn things from my 90-year-old patients, I clearly was one of the troglodytes getting online and doing some of the telemedicine type of video visits. But this has been another way that we've transformed care. And instead of taking 20 years, it took less than 12 months. What was your experience with telemedicine this year? Painful. 
How's that? <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah. Truthfully, I mean, you know, we have wanted to do telemedicine with patients for years, but the payment system simply hasn't kept up with the newer models of doing business. And while other businesses have adapted to, you know, telecommunications, healthcare has been very slow to do that. But with the advent of COVID, suddenly it was much less safe to bring everyone in and have them sit in a, in a waiting room full of coughing people. And if it was just for a blood pressure check or a simple recheck and say, hey, here's your lab results, it was much safer to say, stay home. Let's do this by video. Let's do something similar to a FaceTime call. I can still see you. I can sort of get an idea how you're doing. You can learn a lot just by looking at someone. Um, and able to have that same conversation face-to-face, but the patient remains in the safety of their own home. Like you said earlier, it was like bringing back the convenience of a house call without the risk. Well, and I found, like you like you mentioned, you get to know a lot about a patient's environment. You know, it's been quite interesting to sort of have them truly welcome you into their home. And there's also been other experiences where I've had people doing video visits and driving in their car, and <laughs> that's always a new one. Uh, but, you know, I think the idea that convenience, so that someone can go about their day. You know, previously they might have to take half a day off, get in their car, drive, find parking in the office, wait outside, wait to see the doctor, then wait if they need a prescription or need to do anything else, and finally go back to, you know, later, hours later. This has really revolutionized being more efficient with time. What's been your favorite part about the video visits? Well, I think I've gotten to know my patients better because, you know, there were times earlier in my career that I would go visit a patient in their home if I had a particular concern or if there was, I thought I could learn something from being in the home environment. Now when I'm, it's kind of fun when I'm doing a video visit with a patient, sometimes they'll take their phone around the house and say, oh, here's my garden. And these are my geraniums. And this is my, you know, my orchid greenhouse. And, and I get to know them personally and they'll introduce me to their family members at home, grandma in the wheelchair over here. And I get to see them in their own environment. And it actually does give me a better picture of their overall health, their level of activity, and what their support system is like at home. So I've enjoyed the expanded view I get of my patients and the way it's deepened our relationship using telemedicine. Well, and one of the ideal aspects that I found is that this is something that a lot of providers here in the islands have out of necessity had to learn how to do. And yet now that we've gotten a lot better at it, we can provide this as an option for folks, people who might not need to come in for, like you mentioned, a blood pressure check or reviewing their labs. Or if they're, you know, I've, I've also found ways that you can show them what's on your computer screen and say, this is your x-ray and I want to show you this. And I'm going to, you know, obviously my old school method is I'm going to take the video camera and point it to my computer screen. But sooner or later, we're going to get to the point where we can share screen and get even more technologically savvy with folks so that they can truly see what we're looking at and what we're pointing at as if they were right there in the office. I think a lot of providers have jumped onto this platform of telemedicine. And again, it's one of those things that the satisfaction rates for patients, you know, you're in charge of some of our patient satisfaction surveys. You've seen some amazing results, haven't you? Yeah, we really have. In fact, it it wasn't until this year we actually started to specifically survey patients with questions about telemedicine and asking patients, you know, how is the connection? How is the quality? Uh, did you feel as good about the relationship with your doctor over the, uh, the the telephone or the video visit as you do when you're in person? And we see mixed reviews. You know, we definitely get patients who say, I would rather come in in person. But there at the same time is a whole host of patients who say, wow, this is convenient. This is great. 
This is so much easier for me. And so our goal is to provide flexibility. We, we don't necessarily want to tell you what, which method to use, though for some types of visits we, we need to see you face-to-face. When possible, we want to give patients the flexibility of choosing for themselves. Do they want to meet by telephone, on a video visit, or come in in person? Well, and what they do in January might be different than what they do in June. It just depends on their health status and the circumstances. So you're right. Flexibility, I really think, is the key to providing that option. We also do things like electronic visits. That's sort of something new and different that is a little different than emailing your doctor, but it also allows you to to go through sort of symptom questionnaires and get care without even if you, for whatever reason, can't do a video visit or if it doesn't require a video. There are some other methods that electronic medical records have really allowed us to communicate with patients and make it even easier. Yeah, and e-visit is very simple. It's basically uh, if you have a particular symptom, something non-urgent, something non-severe, please don't try to do uh, treat your chest pain with an email. That won't work. No, but, it um, won't. Yeah, we have people try those things, but let's not do that, okay? Uh, but if you have something small, you know, a swollen finger or something, and, and you have a question about it, we can sometimes just send you a questionnaire and you fill out your symptoms and tell your doctor what's going on. That gets emailed to your doctor, and then when your doctor has a moment, they'll actually respond to that and tell you what to do and sometimes even write a prescription for you if that's appropriate. And sometimes we can treat minor problems without even having to schedule a visit, which makes it very convenient for both you and your doctor as long as you're comfortable waiting a little bit for the answer. And I think it allows you to download pictures. So I've had some folks who said, you know, I have this rash or I have this mole that I've had for a while. Can you take a look? That's been another way that we've been able to have people send us through a secure portal pictures of what it is they want us to see, which, you know, is much better than sometimes I would have people who got a hold of my cell phone number send me random pictures that that luckily... I would delete afterwards because they were not appropriate for my photo roll, I'll tell you. But it was One just something that convenient for doctor, them. Yeah. People are more than happy to ask questions. Absolutely. You know, and that's the key is we want to be accessible, but we also want to make sure we do it in a confidential way that doesn't release patients' medical information inadvertently. Now, I'm curious, where do you think we're going? I mean, I look at some of the wearables. You know, there are now shirts that will monitor your vital signs. Everybody a couple of years ago, Fitbits were hugely popular. The Apple Watch came out doing heart rate monitoring. There's a lot of different ways that people can start to monitor their own health. Do you see this integrating into their own health profile and to their medical records sometime soon? Absolutely, and I'm glad you brought that up. I've had a chance to do a little bit of work in this area, and it's been really impressive. You know, a few years ago, I might have suggested to my patients they should go on a certain diet or, or, you know, eat more vegetables, and, you know, that kind of coaching wasn't always helpful. But now when I can ask them to use tools that that they have right, you know, on their wrist, use your watch, count your steps, Um, let's do some diet entry on your cell phone. And some programs like MyFitnessPal or or Noom or some of these others, which allow you to track calories on your phone and then uh, compare that to uh, physical activity on your Apple Watch where you're doing a certain amount of exercise of a certain kind, we can then compare that and help you set up a program that's going to help you reach your own goals. And we can now import some of this information into the electronic medical record. We have blood pressure cuffs now and glucose monitors that can send information directly to the electronic medical record. The problem we have, as always, is that the technology is kind of clunky. It's a little bit hard to get everything to talk to each other. And so you almost need a technical expert to make sure that the chain 
works all the way from the patient to the doctor's office. So it's still a work in progress, but I think very soon we'll find that we can deliver a lot more healthcare at home. But even some simple things like having your own blood pressure cuff at home, and you can report that through the uh, portal to your doctor. Um, using a Fitbit or an Apple Watch gives your doctor more information than what they would have otherwise. And being able to check your weight at home and report that on a telemedicine visit, those things are all very helpful to your doctor and allow patients to sort of take control of their own health at home. Well, and with that, they get empowered to also make some of the changes. You know, if you're checking your blood pressure every day and you're noticing that it's going higher and you happen to notice every time you have a little bit of extra salt in your diet, those numbers inch up towards the red line, then that also empowers you to see that direct effect of what happens when you don't eat salty foods or you add more vegetables. It sort of allows you to do your own self-experimentation in a good way to try and figure out what works best for you so that if you do need medicine, we're always happy to provide it. But, you know, the first thing we want you to do is try and maximize what your efforts can do. I find that often there are some benefits to some of those lifestyle changes that I can't measure in a blood test, but I know help people's health in the long run. Yeah, I agree completely because, frankly, I'd rather not give you pills if I can help it. And if you can manage your health at home more effectively than I can, we want to support all of our patients in doing that. So if you can check your blood pressure more regularly at home, then you'll send that information to me through a, an e-visit or a MyChart message. And we can see from that whether your, whether your medications are really working for you at home. And that's going to happen a lot more faster than if you have to come into my office and see me for a visit every three months versus checking your blood pressure at home every day. Now, earlier you said, let's think back to the year 2000, and it's now 2021. I want you to project forward. Maybe maybe we don't want to go 20 years. Maybe we just go five or 10 years. What do you think might be different in healthcare? You know, I think much of what we've, we've been sort of forced into in 2020, which has been good, but it's just been sort of uh, a little bit clunky, we've had to implement it rapidly, will become much more smooth and mainstream. I think patients will have much more access to information and easier ways of communicating. I mean, imagine if you could um, pop on your video screen, talk to your doctor, have your meds delivered to you that afternoon uh, in a very smooth, simple way, and even do blood tests at home, you know, draw some blood and, and you mail that in and your doctor gets the results in the next couple of days and it shows up on your cell phone. Um, certainly wearable devices like the Apple Watch, like home blood glucose monitors, uh, even a, there's even a stethoscope which patients can use at home that will communicate with their cell phone, and then I can listen remotely on my phone to what your heart is doing. Some of these tools will become much more mainstream. And the thing that really helps us out is especially with older patients who can't get out, who have a hard time coming to the doctor's office. This allows us to set up home monitoring programs that I think will become much more common so that we can keep, you know, have nurses keep a, an eye on these patients on a daily basis instead of just periodic visits. So I think it's kind of an exciting time, and the technology is going to evolve and improve. Um, one of our the other challenges we face right now is not everybody has a good internet connection. So even something as simple as a video visit sometimes just doesn't work because the patient doesn't have good quality video at home or a good quality cellular connection. I think we're going to see a lot of that infrastructure improve in the next few years. 
Well, and it's it'll be perfectly in time in another 10 or 15 years or 20 when we are the senior citizens who need to be monitored at home to make sure that we're doing okay. But uh, I, you know, I agree with you. I think technology is is going forward faster than we could ever imagine. And sometimes the best way to project forward is to look backwards and say, look at all the things that have changed. And how has that really changed the way that we practice? I mean, I, I agree. I didn't used to drive charts to different clinics, but I used to write in them. And uh, even in the hospital now, everything is done electronically. It's really been transformative. You know, if uh, if people have concerns and they don't quite know what they should do, my first step, my first piece of advice would be to contact their general primary care provider. Yours as well? Yeah, I, I think... You know, the one thing that I think will prevent you and me from being replaced by robots in the future is that people want a relationship with someone they trust. And that really is our goal when we talk about patient experience, is to help patients connect with somebody that they trust and they feel is going to give them the best advice. So that's a good first step. All right. Well, I definitely want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. That's Dr. Dale Glenn, head of the patient experience team in a family medicine doctor practicing in Straub Medical Center at uh, the Kailua Clinic on Oahu. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you again next week right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then. Thank you.